welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. I'm actually going to pray in just a moment, though, and uh, I want to begin with the scripture. And I don't know, I just hope that you're ready for the word of God today. And I hope that you are expectant and hopeful. And I've been saying a lot the last few months that our expectations go from here to here, that God has something for us and that we should expect that. But I want to read out of Acts 4, verse 28. Lord, empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. I'm kind of already excited. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. This was the prayer of the early believers as they went out to do mission in their city. They prayed this prayer. And then look at this in verse 31. It says, and at that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Everyone say boldness. This is a great scripture. It reminds me of what it means to be a believer in Jesus. Lord, empower us with your courage, right? Lord, work through us to see your healing and miraculous works done in our day and in our time. And Father, we proclaim your word. Help us proclaim your word with unrestrained boldness. You see, not only do these early believers have to do this because the, the world demanded that they be courageous if they wanted to survive as believers, but I believe they wanted to. You know what I'm saying? Not just had to, but wanted to. And you know, if I'm being honest about church in 2020, you know, and I look around, I wonder if courage is the word that would be used to describe us. I hear a lot about fear and worry and anxiety, and I don't hear all that much about courage these days. And I'm here, and I'm just going to say I'm the first to admit this. Hi, my name is Tim Mannon, and I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm a coward when it comes to my faith. But I want to live a life with unrestrained boldness. And I wonder how many of you would share that same confession that I'm afraid. So I believe we're going to have a time today that I'm hopeful that we will be encouraged, right? I believe God has a plan with the things that we fear, that he doesn't actually just tell us to do not fear, but he uses the fear to do something in us that wants to come out of us that looks a little bit like unrestrained boldness. So I'm going to pray and we're going to give him this time. Would you join me? Holy Spirit, we ask you to come today. We need you. We need you. We can't do life without you. Every time we try, it's, it ends up in the ditch. It ends up in the pit. And so, Father, I pray for each and every person, wherever they're at in the room today, would you just move in their life? Give us ears to hear. We pray for courage today. 
We love you, Lord, and we just pray all these things in your name. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right, well, today's message is called Fear Marks the Spot. And we're going to talk about fear, and we're going to talk about courage, and we're going to talk about faith. And I'll admit, as I prepared a message about fear, I actually began to feel fear about talking about fear. And isn't that the way the enemy works, right? God puts something in your heart and he starts dropping fear into it and starts causing you to doubt the thing that he told you to do. And I even experienced that in preparing for this. The enemy tries to get you to flinch. And the whole battle with fear starts at a very young age, doesn't it? As kids, we're afraid of a lot of things. (laughs) We're afraid of the dark. We're afraid of monsters in the closet, we're afraid of clowns. Um, And I know some adults are still afraid of clowns. Um, When Emily, my oldest daughter, when she was little, she was, we're afraid of weird things as kids, by the way, right? She was afraid of Band-Aids to the degree that she, she did not want to see a Minnie Mouse Band-Aid coming at her for nothing. She would rather just bleed out than look down the barrel of a Band-Aid. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just, it's just weird what we fear as kids and, and, and growing up as a kid, isn't it a lot about fear and the things we're afraid of and the things that we're supposed to grow out of and have courage to overcome and no longer fear? I know with each of my kids, it's one fear conquered after another. And uh, I remember as an elementary kid, my friends and I, we played that dumb game. You know, that game whenever you're like, you like act like you're gonna hit someone, you're like, uh. you know what I mean? You're like, uh. And then if they flinch, if they flinch, what do you say? Made you flinch, right? And if they flinch, and they, if they flinch, then you can hit them in the arm two times. And then if they don't flinch, they get to hit you in the arm. Has anybody played this game before? Yeah, yeah. Anybody still play this game? I heard it's the format of the next presidential debate. Gonna... <laughs> no, not really. Jesus, help us. Amen. We need you, Lord. You are our only hope. For I'm being for real. A few months ago, Christy and I were in New Mexico for a couple days, and uh, we went to a national park called the Bandelier National Monument, and we were doing a little hiking, and uh, we were doing that outdoorsy thing that we like to do, and we literally ran into a deer that was on the trail, and I have a little video for you to kind of see this little moment in nature. I walk up, and there's this deer just eating on the trail, and he was absolutely not afraid of us in any form or fashion, to the degree that even when even when all these people were coming by, like this little girl right here that ruined my video. <laughs> Obviously, we are not in extreme nature. There's lots of people on this trail, and this deer doesn't give a rip, like no, no, no fear at all. This deer doesn't budge. There was no flinching. Can we say it this way? There was no fear in this deer. <laughs> Let's do a little zoology lesson, shall we? What makes this animal have no fear? Well, obviously, this deer has been in the safe confines of a national park. There's plenty of food. The park is well taken care of. There's probably plenty of places to shelter. And humans have just been no threat to this deer at any point in its life, right? Like, at any point, deer, a human, it might occasionally feed them. Uh, at any, at, if anything, it was just an innocent, peaceful visitor to their park. So for this deer, every day is a walk in the park. So this deer has no fear. 
I'm about to go Dr. Seuss on you. <laughs> but let's consider it for just a moment. Does the deer have no fear or did this deer face no risk? This is actually a very important distinction because upon further consideration, I'm not sure that this deer was fearless. I would contend that what Christy and I saw that day on our outdoorsy hike was a life, was a life that, what, that, that wasn't bold or courageous. We saw a life that was about comfort and security. And see, this thing had lived a life of comfort and security, therefore, because it faced no risk, it confused us, which often happens, is sometimes we confuse courage with comfort. And today I want to talk about that a little bit, because I wonder if we could go as far as to say that life, when it never flinches, well, it never really is faithful. Because if all we live is a life of comfort and security, are we really being faithful? So it could be said that faith requires fear. It could be said that faith is largely that a faith that is largely comfortable and largely secure isn't what Jesus had in mind for us. I don't think any of us would think that he did. Yet we cling to comfort and security. Yet we run to those places that are absent of risk. Now, before we get too deep and I start confusing everyone, I, I do want to certainly say that there is a type of fear that is not good, and there's a lot of fears that aren't healthy. In fact, uh, fear can be a crippling thing. Fear can be, honestly, a very sad thing for many of us because fear is the thing that keeps us trapped and keeps us, keeps us uh, in a place where we, and stops us from doing really, really good things that God wants us to do. And so there is a reason that God says, do not fear, many, many times. However, I also want us to consider a thought today. I want us to consider that the natural feelings of fear that we have always accompany a life of faith because a life following Jesus, it will be a life of courage. And if there's nothing to be courageous about, could courage exist? And so therefore, we're going to have to face fears. Perhaps faith can't even be present without fear. Sure, we can believe. Sure, we can have a lot of knowledge. Sure, we can even be committed. But is it possible to be faithful and courageous if we don't face fears? I think this is something that's very simple, but we don't think about very often. Because I believe a life that never faces fears, never faces trials, never faces storms, never stands up in the face of rejection, that type of thing, it doesn't create a life of faith. Faith is never present. So maybe... Perhaps our faith can actually use the fears that we face in life. Maybe, perhaps, fear isn't the enemy unless we, want, unless we let it be. Maybe fear can actually help us find the way of life and the way that God and the way that Jesus intends for us to live. And so here's the thing. We just sang about this. The good news is that Jesus, he always takes the things in our life. He's paved a way for us to live a life free of fear, worry, and anxiety but he does it by turning the things on its head like fear, worry, and anxiety, and actually those snares that trap us in life and keep us kind of stopping from moving forward, he turns that on its head and the fear actually becomes the catalyst, if you will, to propel us forward. This is, uh, this is actually really, really simple in some ways, but very, very difficult in other ways to really embody what we're talking about at this moment because God doesn't want us to fear 
but God does want us to conquer fear. Hmm, it's a tricky thing. Avoiding fear isn't faithful, but living in fear isn't faithful either. So we must feel fear to overcome fear with spiritual courage. So how do we not fear, yet embrace fear? I believe this is one of the realities of why God says this line, do not fear, so many times in the scriptures. God has a compassion and a love for us to tell us the things we need to hear over and over again. Did you know that 365 verses or passages in the Bible talk about do not fear, do not worry, have courage. That's one for every day of the year because we need it every day. There's over 100 of those 365 specifically say do not fear. And he says this over and over again. If you think about the Bible and the narrative and the things that we see throughout it, it is constantly these stories that we fall in love with are about overcoming fear, are about courage. What are the Bible stories we tell our kids? Right? The favorite ones that we tell our kids are the ones that are all about courage. We love the story of David and Goliath. Why? Because we imagine the skinny, scrawny, fearful kid overcoming that and having the courage to say, I will not stand and let this giant defy the armies of our God. We love that. It fires us up. We love that Daniel had the courage to stay true to his faith in a nation that was against it. And he stood up and he continued to pray. And as a result, he was thrown into the lion's den. And God's power, God's power shut the mouths of lions. We're like, yeah, that is God. That is is the, the courage of Daniel combined with the power of God. We love those stories. We love Elijah. We love Moses. We love Joshua. Why? Because of the stories of courage. This is the Bible we love. And we love to hear those stories because we relate to them. And we want to be those things. It's also why we love movies that are about superheroes, right? War heroes. We love the overcomers. I, uh, our family watched the, the original, The Karate Kid, about a month ago. Such a good movie, by the way. So many life lessons from Mr. Miyagi. But the reason we love Daniel LaRusso in that movie is because he did exactly this. He was the overcomer that faced the enemy. He was the David that defeated Goliath. He was the Daniel that shut the mouths of the lion when he did that weird crane kick into the face of Johnny Lawrence. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that is what I love about our faith That's one of the things I absolutely love about it is that Jesus says, I want you to kick fear in the face. Like there's that scripture in in, in 2 Timothy 1, 7 that says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. And when he said that, we got to remember, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So where does the fear come from? It must come from the enemy. But yet God uses the fear that the enemy gives us to actually catapult us and propel us forward because he wants us to be courageous. That's called turning all the work of the enemy into the good of God, right? And so here's what God does is he takes the fear. And he says, I want you to embrace it. And I want, me to, I want to use it and take you where you need to go. God says, do not fear hundreds of times because he understands and knows that we need to hear this because we find ourselves again and again stuck in fear. And so, in fact, the reason that we read 365 or 100 times in the Bible, do not fear, is because God has a lot of compassion and love on us. Do you know that? 
It's like the, the, the father who repeats himself over and over again to the child right before they get their driver's license. When Emily got her driver's license, I said the same thing over and over again to her, right? While driving, do not look at your phone. <laughs> Don't speed, do not look at your phone. <laughs> you know, look both ways, do not look at your phone. You know, I mean, I said the same things over and over again, not because I was angry with her, but because I was full of compassion and love for her. You see, what's different is when you're angry with someone, you actually quit repeating yourself eventually after so long because you're just so done and you quit on them. You see, God repeats himself over and over again because he's not angry with us. He's actually full of love and compassion for us, so he continues to tell us the things we need to hear so we'll go the way we need to go. And so God says this over and over again because he loves us, because he has compassion for us. In Matthew 10, we read about this moment when Jesus sends out his disciples. If you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew 10. We'll be in it for a little bit. But Jesus sends out his disciples to go and do the ministry on their own. And if you're looking in a Bible, this chapter is always titled uh, something to the effect of Jesus sends out the 12. And, and I want you to imagine being one of these 12 for just a moment. Imagine being one of these 12 when Jesus says, all right, guys, <laughs> I got a new plan for you for the next few days. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go and do the things that I've been doing, and you're going to go do it on your own, meaning I'm not going to go with you in the flesh, but I'll be with you in the spirit and in your head and in your heart. But I'll, so I'm not really with you, but I'm with you. And this, you, go, you guys got this. And they're like, what, what? You're not going with us, Jesus? Listen to this verse, right? So ch chapter 10, starting in verse 1, again, they're, very, they're probably, there's no, f I wonder if there's any flinching in this moment, by the way. They're about to go do ministry on their own. There, if there wasn't no flinching, there was probably some clenching, right? <laughs> All right, that was, that was good. Come on, guys, lighten up. Here we go, verse, uh, Matthew 10, starting verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So this is huge. He's, he's given them authority to do the things that he's been doing. Skip down to verse 5. There's a lot in this chapter. I can't read it all, but I'm going to read a lot of it. So I'm going to skip down to verse 5, though. The, these 12 uh, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter town of a, uh, enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. He's like, we got to take care of first things first. Go to the Israelites. We'll take care of the Gentiles and the Samaritans in a little bit. Verse 7, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you've received these things, so you better start giving them. This is a call, right? This is a call to proclaim his kingdom, to heal, raise up, and cast out. Can you imagine how huge and audacious this felt to these 12? This, was, this has never been put on any human being before this moment. There has never been a call this huge ever put on a person before where they're going to go heal, raise, raise up, and cast out. And he says, I want you to carry out this ministry. And, the, and, and he's like, these are the things I've been doing. Now I'm passing them to you. And by the way, that means he's passing them to us. And that there's this amazing scripture in John 14, 12 that he tells the disciples at one point in their time together. He says, the things that I've been doing, you're going to do even greater things than those. That had to blow their mind. He says, you're not only going to do what I've been doing, but you're going to do even greater things. 
Jesus passed his work to his disciples, and what he passed to them, he passed to us. And so I just want to say this, 21st century disciples of Christ are not all that different than first century ones. See, we are being sent out by Jesus, and I'm sure that they were scared of the ministry that God was calling them to, as you and I are often scared of the calling and the ministry that Jesus has called us to, yet we are still called to it, because there's something inside of that fear that God wants to reveal and release. Are you with me? And so verse 9, do not get any gold or silver or copper, no pennies, to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or even a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person to stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off of your feet. So I want you to think about what Jesus is doing, right? Don't take any comfort or securities with you. Don't take any money. Don't take any extra sandals. Don't even take any extra shirts. Now, some of you, this is easy because you like to pack light. But for a person like me, this is bad news, man. I like to take three or four extra shirts in case I change my mind right? But he's like, no, I don't want you to take anything. And in this day and age, this is a very practical thing because you need to take extra sandals. You need to take extra shirts because you live in a dirty world in the first century. And he's saying, don't take any of that. See, Jesus is up to something. He's up to something. He's stripping them down for a greater purpose. It's almost as if he's exposing every insecurity and fear. Think about this. What if God exposes the fear so that we can overcome them. What if he exposes the fear so that we don't get stuck in the snare, but then he uses that fear to propel us forward? I've already said that, I know, but I'm gonna keep saying it. He ends this, he ends this little section of the passage with this interesting line that has always stood out to me. I, just, I read it a moment ago, but someone doesn't welcome you, he says to shake the dust off your feet. Everyone say, shake it off. Shake it off. Everyone say, shake it off. Shake it off. I need, I, I'm not here. It was the same volume. That means the same people said it and the same people didn't. <laughs> Everyone say, shake it off. Shake it off. Thank you very much. Now, the act of shaking the dust off your feet during biblical days was an announcement of separation. So a Jew would go into a Gentile city, and after they left that city, when they got to the city limits, they would shake the dust off their feet as a way of saying, I'm separating myself from this. I don't want none of this going home with me. And so that's what they did. It was kind of a little bit, you know, obviously not that nice. But in this particular case, Jesus is saying something a little different. He's saying, listen, if someone rejects you, I want you to shake that off. He says, if someone tells you that they don't want you in their town or in their house, I want you to shake that off and I want you to move to the next town. I don't want that to stop you because Jesus understood something. He understood that if you experience rejection, you, if you carry that rejection with you, you might be afraid that you're going to be rejected again and forget what you were originally called to do. And so he was like, listen, disciples, if you carry that with you, you won't do what you're supposed to do. So I need you to shake it off. Everyone say, shake it off. So here's the thing. Some of you need to hear this today because you've been rejected. And that doesn't mean 
that you're not called. Some of you need to understand that just because someone said they didn't want you, that doesn't mean you're not wanted. You need to shake it off. And just because you tried to be courageous and, it, and you fell flat on your face and it didn't work out, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to quit, get back up and keep moving forward. You need to shake that off. The enemy will drop fear in your heart and try and stop you from doing the very thing that God put in your heart for you to do. Jesus says, no, I want you to shake that off. That's good, right? Okay, that's good. That's good, 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 good. Verse 16, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Oh my gosh, that's not good. Thank you, Jesus. Therefore, I like this line, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. That's like a tattoo right there waiting to happen. (laughs) Verse 7, be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Can you imagine? James looks at Peter and says, did he just say we're going to be flogged? (laughs) They're hearing this for the first time. I I told you at the beginning, imagine you're one of these people and you're hearing this. I'm not supposed to take two shirts and I'm going to be flogged? I'm I'm just saying, I'm afraid. I'm a coward in this moment. On my account, verse 18, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry. Everyone say, do not worry. worry. (laughs) God, I'm worried. You just told me I'm going to be arrested. Don't worry. What you're about to say or how or about don't worry about what you're about or what to excuse me don't worry about what to say or how to say it if you can even say it <laughs> at that time you will be given what to say for it will not be you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you the disciples must have been going this is this is overwhelming you're calling us to go do what you do without you by ourselves and we're about to go face all this on our own And then you're telling me now that the Spirit of God is going to be speaking through me? They didn't know the Holy Spirit yet. You want to see what? Flogged what? Arrested what? Okay, here we go. Verse 26. He said, so they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he says this in verse 26. So do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of them. For there is nothing concealed that will be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, I want you to speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, I want you to get up and proclaim it from the roofs with unrestrained boldness. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and uh, soul and body in hell. And then he says this line, because you're like, oh gosh, now God just told me to fear him. Yes, he did, but he follows it up with some compassion. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are, and and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So here's the thing. God knows every hair on your head. He knows which ones are gray and which ones are about to fall out. He knows. And he doesn't even know, he doesn't only, only know every hair on your head. Jesus says that God cares about you infinitely more than you imagine. He says, think about these sparrows. They're not even, they're, they're, not even, they're worth half of a penny. That's what he says, two for one. <laughs> it's a good deal. He says, you're, he said, 
They're so worthless that God cares about them. How much more do you think he cares about you? And so whenever you think, has God forgotten me? Whenever you think God has left me, he has abandoned me. Whenever you think, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can get through. I don't know if I can conquer this mountain that's in front of me. I don't know if I can face this fear. God is saying, do not fear. Do not be discouraged for I, your God, am with you. I don't ever leave you or forsake you. We hear this over and over again, but we got to put it in the context of what God was saying. Here he is saying to his disciples, I need you to go do what I've been doing, and I don't need you to be afraid, even though that you're going to be afraid, because when I use that fear, I'll actually do something in you to propel you forward. So go ahead and feel the fear. Just don't let the fear have you. You see, it's okay to feel fear. It's okay to have fear. It's just not okay for that fear to have you. You see, Jesus even felt fear at one point. There's some evidence of it. You, think, you remember the garden, right? He's in the garden and he's praying right before the night he's arrested. The description of that scene is he is in full anxiety mode. He is anxious. He is prayerful. He's getting upset with his disciples because they're not praying with him. Sweat is dropping from his head like, like blood is what Luke says. And here he is, here's Jesus. He's, he, I, know this, I don't know what he's feeling in that moment, of course, but there's just a little bit of speculation. We know that Jesus is fully God, therefore he has the spirit of God in him, full power. But yet Jesus is also fully human, which means he feels every emotion we feel. And here's Jesus in this moment saying, God, if there's any other way other than the cross, will you let this cup pass from me? But if it is your will, then your will be done. So I am feeling fear, but I'm submitted to whatever you're calling me forward into. And so here's the thing. Jesus says, yeah, yeah, it's not a, it's not a sin to feel fear. Where it becomes sin is when we let fear have us. Fear can actually serve as your signal that God wants to move. The, the things that we fear, the places God has new work to do in and through you. You know, I took the time to sort through a number of fears that I believe um, are pretty common among, especially among believers. I'm, I'm sure that this list could be a little longer if we're just talking about fears that people face in the world. But specifically for most of us in this room, I just tried to, you know, put together a number of fears. And I'm not talking about phobias, of course. I'm talking about real, true emotional fears that people have uh, that cause worry and anxiety. And so uh, these are the kind of fears that I think, spiritually speaking, can chain us and stop us from moving forward. And so here, here's just a, a few. I got, I, got, I got 10, just a few. <laughs> You're like, how long are we going to be here? It's going to be a long time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Number one, I'm afraid of what other people think of me. This is huge, right? And we don't have the time, actually. I, I wish I could proof text every one of these fears and give you all the scriptures that kind of, kind of uh, combat these fears. Um, but I'll just say a simple, couple quick things about each one of these fears um, for, for time's sake. But we can forget that our ultimate value comes from God, can't we? Um, and that our identity is rooted in what God thinks of us, not what they think of me. And I think sometimes... We're so afraid of what people think because we forget that it's not about what they think. It's about what God thinks of us. The number two fear 
that a lot of us fear. I'm afraid of the unknown or I'm afraid of the future. And, and again, I'm not going to take much time on each of these, but I just want to say a couple little quick thoughts on them. Listen, the future is our friend, not our enemy. And I think sometimes we, we, we sit in fear of the future and it becomes our enemy when God is like, no, 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 that's where my hope resides. That's where my promises lie. And for a lot of us, if we would look at our fear, not a, I mean, excuse me, our future as not a place of worry and concern, but a place of promise and hope, we start to understand that God has a different picture of the future than a lot of the world does. And then number three one, I'm afraid of getting hurt. And this is a true fear for a lot of people who've been hurt before. I was just thinking about this in a, a, a kind of an experience in my life came to my mind about 10, 11, 12 years ago, somewhere in there, I, I went on, uh, on a trip to the beach and, and I was in the water, you know, having a good time. And while I was in the water, uh, this is a big story, but I won't tell the full detail of it. I was stung by a stingray, which was like not a fun moment. I don't know if anybody's been stung by a stingray, but I assume not because that's just what God does. He gives me these stories to tell. So he hurts me a lot <laughs> with the anticipation that someday it'll be a good message moment. So I got stung by this stingray and it was immense pain, the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Like seriously, it's kind of a funny story, but it's mostly a painful one. And, and here's the deal. If I lived my life, if I lived my life with my future dictated by my past pain, well, I would live a life in which I would never enter the water again because I would be afraid of the enemy that lurks underneath, right? And the pain that it might inflict on my life again. And what happens in that moment is I forget that if I step back into the water that I'm actually surrounded by an ocean of God's goodness and his love. And sure, the enemy is out there and there's possibility of more pain, but it doesn't compare to the ocean of possibility with my creator. And so for those of you that have been hurt, I would just say, step back into the water, shake that off, and trust God for what he's got ahead of you. Amen? Yeah. Number four, I'm afraid of being alone. To my friends who feel this fear today, I was just reminded that God's love for you is that of a loving father who continues to say the same thing over like a really, really good song. He just continues to sing over your life. Do not fear. Be strong and courageous, for I'm with you. I believe God sees you. He understands how you feel, and God has you. His compassion is great. The number five fear, I'm afraid of being judged based on, on what I believe. This is, the, this is the fear of 2020 for Christians, is it not? You know, in America, we've lived the national park life of comfort and security for some time. And God is calling us to be courageous. I'm going to talk more about this in a minute, but he is calling us to be courageous in what we really believe. And so, yes, that fear exists, but it may just be the catapult to where he wants to take us and not the place that he wants to snare us. Number Number six, I'm afraid of people who are different from me. Now, this is a tough fear to admit, but in today's world, I think we're becoming more and more aware of the divisions that we have between one another. And, and, and just like I said that fear sometimes is the catalyst, I would say that perhaps maybe we should see this. Is there anyone 
that I'm afraid of in my life, and those are the people then that God is calling me to go to because it's time for me to overcome the fear, and we can't avoid it any longer. Number seven, I'm afraid I'll never be successful, or this is the classic fear of failure, right? Don't you know the disciples thought they were going to be unsuccessful? We can never do what Jesus is calling us to do. But with man, as Jesus would later say, it's impossible. But with God, it's possible. All things are possible. So don't you know that God has a plan to prosper you, to give you hope and a future? And so, in other words, we could say it this way, that God's plan is your success. That God actually wants you to succeed. And you're like, well, what does success mean? That's a whole other conversation to define success but it's good, I promise you. Number eight, I'm afraid to be bold for Jesus. Now, this is exclusively a Christian fear, is it not? And here's the thing. I think this is a real fear. We back down from boldness all the time. But listen, every mighty warrior of God was once an unexpecting, fearful, scrawny kid. Every mighty warrior was once afraid. Number nine, I'm afraid of losing what I have. And I get that. You know, but whenever we live like everything that we have is his, <laughs> well, we find our value and our joy not in what we have, but who has us. So then we don't fear losing anything because in him we have everything. And so when we live in the fear of losing what we have, we've forgotten whose it is in the first place. And then number nine, or number 10, I'm afraid of all that's happening in the world. And I know this is a real one for a lot of us. How could we not be somewhat afraid? But as we've said a number of times over the last few months, if there's ever a time to be, for the church to be the church, now is that time. Because the world needs courageous people who will stare fear in the face and say, you know what? My God did not give me a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. And so we drop kick a weird crane kick into the face of that enemy. Are you with me? We kick fear in the face. So those are my top 10. And we're just going to keep those on the screen. Now I could keep going, uh, but I feel like these 10 are just flashing neon signs that say God at work. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you're driving down the road and then there's like the, the construction sign, men at work. Well, this is where God is work. It's right inside those fears. And what if God wants to use that fear to do something in your life to not only make you stronger, but make you better? I was thinking about David once again. What if David, if you know that story, David says, He's ready to go. He's ready to fight. And King Saul, look, King Saul looks at him for, at first, and he says, no, 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 you're way too small, too young to go up against a warrior like that. So what if David would have looked at King Saul and said, you know what, you're right. And if he would have taken on that fear, just like everybody else that had seized the army that day, and he had just allowed that fear to stop him. But see, David did something in that moment. He took... He took that fear and he absorbed the fear like a boxer takes, takes a punch, right? He absorbed the fear. But then he seized his divine moment and he stepped into that fear and he punched back. You see, what I love about that moment is that David wasn't absent of fear. 
David wasn't absent of worry. Do you think David had some measure of worry that he might not live? But that moment was also not absent of courage. And see, the problem is, is when we have fear but no courage, well, then nothing can happen. So we aren't trying to avoid fear. We're actually trying to step right into it. You see, fear marks the spot. Kind of like an X on a treasure map marks the spot. Fear marks the spot where God wants to move in your life. Where there is fear, there is an opportunity for courage. And without courage, there's no opportunity to follow Jesus the way he intended because a life with Jesus is going to be a life of courage. So let's take this all the way back to my deer with no fear. <laughs> the little mule deer and bandolier. <laughs> Told you I was going Dr. Seuss on you. We established that that deer didn't have no fear, but that deer actually faced no risk. That deer lives a pampered life. He lives the park life. Now we all understand because we live it every day that life is not a walk in the park, is it? The way of Jesus isn't supposed to be comfortable and safe. God's will is, is, is it, believe it or not, God's will isn't your safety all the time. God's blessing isn't always your comfort and convenience. Although we call all of his blessings things that are comfortable and convenient. Sometimes God is like, I don't want you to bring any money. I don't want you to bring any sandals. I don't want you to bring even an extra shirt. I want you to trust me. I actually want to expose the insecurity in you. I want to bring the fear out of you so that you can overcome it. So I'm actually calling you to things that are uncomfortable and insecure. I'm calling you to risk and I'm calling you to a life that is about unrestrained boldness that you've never experienced before. Imagine those 12, they had never stepped in to anything like this before. You know, to be a Christian in America, it's changing, isn't it? It's been changing for a number of years right now. We're no longer in the safe confines of the national park as the church. For the last couple decades, the landscape of comfort that Christians have had in our country has been evolving and has changed. Most of us are aware of that, but we live in an increasingly post-Christian culture, with, which all that means is that the primary influence of our culture is no longer Christian ethics or our biblical beliefs, but it's other influences that are shaping culture that we live in. We aren't in the park anymore, if you haven't figured it out. We're back in the frontier. <laughs> and in the frontier, it's a scary place to be. If we allow ourselves to, to deal with reality and go, I'm not in the park anymore. I'm in the frontier, but it's in the frontier that we forge new ground and we blaze new trails. It's in the frontier that we see new things happen. Because if all we wanna do is see the old, well, guess what? We walk around the safe and secure confines of the park life. But I'm just discovering that life is not a walk in the park anymore. It is not. And it is going to require the kind of boldness and the kind of courage that most of us have never seen the likes of. And I'm feeling this in my life, and I know you are too. And we're afraid to say it out loud. We're afraid to let that erupt out of us and go, no, 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 no. My God will not be defied in this day and age anymore. 
My God will be Lord. Jesus is Lord. And here's the thing. We let little fear after little fear get in the way of that kind of boldness. But God understands that we may feel fear. He has great compassion and love for us. And so he keeps telling us, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear, for I am with you. And I think for a long time I saw that as, it's bad if I fear. No, 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 it's, it's the loving Father just telling me what I need to hear. You see, at some point, a life with Jesus will cost us something. It should. A life with Jesus should cost us something because a life with Jesus is all about courage. And God is still sending his disciples like he did in Matthew 10 to proclaim the kingdom of God, to raise up, to heal, to cast out. And in the safe confines of the American Christian bubble that we've experienced, or maybe that a lot of us have experienced in the earlier years of our life, and we've seen that change around us. This isn't a political message, but I am tired of politics using my faith as a way to motivate voters. I'm telling you, Jesus, Jesus is, is Lord. Jesus is not an agenda item. Jesus is not something to be used and abused. Jesus is something to be lifted up and praised. And so what I'm saying is that that's not right or left. Here's the deal. The right and the left are doing this to our Jesus. What are we going to do about it? And I say that not as a political thing, but as a person of Jesus that says, you know what? I have one God and one kingdom that I serve. And until I figure that out, I will live in fear. Sometimes we've got to shake it off. <laughs> We've experienced modern, we've all experienced modern day forms of rejection in relationships. We've experienced social media rage. <laughs> Shake it off. Don't take that with you. Separate yourself from it and say, that's not going with me anymore. Because all that's done is let fear sit on top of my life and stop me from who God has called me to be. You know, I remember when we started this church, I was afraid of a lot of things. Literally, like every one of those 10 fears, I was afraid of some way or somehow. I was afraid of what people would think. I was afraid of, you know, all the unknowns in the future and all that good stuff. And I was afraid of being alone, like literally, like nobody would be here except my kids on the front row. Like, I was afraid. <laughs> I was afraid of losing what I had. Can I just remind us, fear marks the spot. Fear is your catalyst to your faith. It does not have to be your chains. And so you need to find that fear that's in you. That's all. That's a little different for all of us. That's why I've kind of stayed at the top layer of fear. There's ten examples. Maybe one of those is yours. Maybe you have a fill in the blank. Maybe you have several fears. But God is calling you out of the park, and He's calling you into the frontier. I want to close with this Acts passage that I began with. It says, Lord, empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son. Now, you know, this was written after 
the disciples in Mark 10 had got, or excuse me, Matthew 10 had gotten all that instruction. In Acts 4, they're praying. Jesus is no longer with them at all. He's ascended. Are you guys, you guys following this, this, this story, right? Now the disciples, the disciples, the disciples, the disciples, the disciples are praying. Lord, empower us as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal, to move in signs and wonders, to heal, to, to raise up, to cast out by the name of your holy son, Jesus. And at that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. You think God was moved in that moment by their prayer. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Come on, that's good. That's good. And here's the thing, I get sort of excited about praying and thinking about what if the God would shake this room. And then I had a thought this week. What's more rare, earthquakes or communities of people with unrestrained boldness? And I thought, uh, it's a tough call, to be honest. So instead of praying for God to shake the room, maybe we should pray for unrestrained boldness because God will do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He'll move the room, he'll shake the rafters, he'll, he'll move in power because that's what God does. But what do I do? I gotta live with unrestrained boldness. That's my part in the story. So I wanna pray for us to shake the room, if you will, but not literally. I want us to pray that we would shake off the things that stop us and step in to being a community of people who speak the word of God freely and courageously. Would you stand with, my, with me? I want to pray for us. We're also going to worship, but I just want to pray. Would you stand? I'm we hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.